0: Two, so I have some a little bit of show and tell tonight as we start. Um, Do any of your parents scrapbook? Is that a thing for any of your parents? I know it's faded. Some like my parents' generation that was majors like you all you scrapbook everything, and you also kept everything to scrapbook, right? So my mom scrapbook for me. here is, uh, uh, that's my birth certificate right there. Really cool, right? This, this is the birth band they gave to me. This is the little uh, the I'm a boy thing they give y'all, right? That's uh, obviously a sonogram of me. Um, that's my full name, Andrew Bonner Collins. Yep. Um, September 25th, 1989. I don't know if y'all know this, but Sheila and me. Real close. We were about two months apart born. Okay. We basically live the same life. Um, so that's a version of stuff. And then we had some really cute photos of me uh, as I was born. A little baby here with my mom and dad. Look at me. Look at these photos. This was hardcore in the early 90s right here. The furniture, the carpet, everything looked really The haircuts, everything looked really good here. Um, I, uh, I was born, and it tells you that, um, let's see, I was born eight pounds, five ounces, okay? Uh, I was 20 and a half inches long. While wow, they even, my head circumference, I don't know y'all care about this. It was 14 inches, okay? Wow, yeah, a always had a big head. Um, uh, my mom's name is Allison, and my dad's name is Randy. Um, and the time of the day, I was born at night, okay? I was born at night at 8.41. Um, I'm the first child in my family, so this was the first kid for my mom and dad, and um, a first opportunity to go through this whole process for them, and I was the beautiful, miracle, disgustingness that came from it, okay? Um, Beautiful thing, beautiful thing, Um, and I have some more here too, Um, I can share these after, because y'all aren't going to be able to see the photos, but this is being a cute little bath time, um, yeah, Let's have my first bath right here. Okay, little Andrew. Um, what's really funny is I'll show you these later, but I, uh, you may see juniper a lot here um, in the face and stuff. But um, it also says Andrew was not always smiles and giggles, but he loved his first bath. Wow, thanks, mom. <laughs> um, this was a place where he was very content. Apparently, my bath. That was where like, it was. It was at for me as a kid. Um, so, all of you, I know you may not have a scrapbook, right, but you you have a first moment, you have a first breath, you have parents, you have a hospital you were born in, you all have this card that says how much you weighed, how, much, how long you were, how, your own head size is somewhere, okay? You have the names of your parents on there. The names of the doctors on there. Mine was Garcia. He did great. And then apparently Steele as well helped in. I don't know who that is. And none of those people. Are, but they were there for my first moments. My first breath. Very sacred moment there at Georgia Gwinnett Hospital. With Dr. Steele and Garcia. Um, but you guys all have that. You had a beginning. Right? And as we've been going through this series We've been asking the question What's the question we've been asking? Who is, Jesus? Who, is Jesus? who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, a part of his story Is his birth If we're going to answer the question about who is Jesus Then his birth seems like a pretty big thing to mention Not just because I mean, what, God became man and was birthed by a woman. I mean, simple stuff, you know, right? Probably not worth mentioning. No, massive thing, his birth. How it happened, how it came about, his childhood. We're going to talk about this in a second, but what affected him as a kid. We don't have a lot of data or um, story about him as a child, We have one story, and we're going to look at that today, but thinking about his birth and his childhood, all of you that sit in this room have been shaped by those two things, about who you are. The same is true of Jesus. His story, the question of who is Jesus, is tremendously shaped by his birth and his childhood. And while we don't know a ton past the birth until he's 30, we know very little. We know some. And we're going to look at that tonight in Luke 2. So I want us just to go ahead and read. We're not going to read this whole chapter, but I'm going to read some sections. Um, And as we go here, uh, I'll kind of skip skip down. I'll, I'll summarize a section or two just so we don't read the whole thing. But I will read some of it. Um, So we're going to start in verse 1 and start reading there. Luke 2, verse 1 says, In those days the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is going to be the section of Scripture that you're all going to be like, know that, know this section, but try to look at it with new eyes tonight. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria and when all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, which means his wife-to-be, who was with child. Okay, that's just a small thing there. So they're not married yet, yet she's with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And then we have um, the story of the shepherds and the angels shouting glory to God in the highest. You guys know this section. You've heard it. Um, We're going to summarize this section so that the shepherds find out about Jesus from the angels. And they tell them to not be afraid. And then the the shepherds say we were going to go and find this um, child who they speak of. And then we see in verse 22, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up, this is Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, the first who opens the womb. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons were their sacrifice. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And Simeon's story continues to go here. It's an awesome story of this guy full of faith. The Lord leads him to Jesus. And as he holds Jesus in his arms, he he declares, this surely is the one who will bring salvation. And then after Simeon's story, we find another person, a prophetess named Anna, who does the same thing. She talks about um, the coming redemption, this child that's been given. And then in verse 39, it says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then we get one story here of his childhood. Boy Jesus in the temple. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. This is a true home alone story before home alone. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they had found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So we have this early story of Christ's birth and his childhood, trying to ask this question about who is Jesus? And a part of that question, as we've been building this, right, the last two weeks we've been talking about Jesus is God. He's the deity. He is the Alpha, omega, beginning, the end, the sustainer of all things, Jesus. And this week, we're about to take a total 180 on that. Not that he's going to 180 from being God, but that we're going to take that God, that Jesus, and he's going to become a baby. And it should blow your mind. It should blow the questions of like, what, how, why? How? How does this work? How can Jesus, Alpha Omega, beginning and end, sustainer of all things, become a baby? You shouldn't just think, oh yeah, that makes sense. There's something miraculous happening here. So I want to look at four aspects of what I'm I'm calling the incarnation does anyone want to try to define incarnation? You come back as a creature. No. First birth, first birth. You what? First birth. Okay, no? So if you are incarnate, carne, do you know what carne means? Oh, yes, me. Flesh. Oh. So the incarnation is God putting on flesh, becoming human in all ways. The incarnation. So God becomes incarnate, in flesh. And how does he do that first? Well, he's got to be born. He has to be born of a woman. So we see in this story of Luke 2 that uh, there's this very quick birth narrative. But I want to pause for a second and for us to... Sit and think about this scene for a little bit. I want you to remember that I just said Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, sustainer of all things, creator of all things. By the word of his power, everything came to be. And on this night, in Bethlehem, his mom and his dad, his mom, gaining contractions in pain are looking for somewhere to stay and they can't find anywhere it says there's no room in the inn and what do they do they find a place where wild or farm animals together you guys ever been in a barn Where's a farm smell like? Uh, yes. Manure. poop, Gross. Especially if they don't clean it. And this pregnant wife of Joseph, who, one, Joseph was not the one impregnated her, right? This is the immaculate conception. God, the Holy Spirit, has given the baby to Mary. Joseph is dealing with his own shame and not sure how other people are viewing this. Mary is dealing with hers, that she has a baby outside of wedlock, and they're stuck in the darkness in this manger with these animals. And I know most of you guys aren't there yet, but other than your own birth, you probably haven't been a part of a birth, maybe you have. It is not pretty. There was pain. There weren't drugs at this point in time. There was screaming. There was blood. And it was nasty and gross. I'm going to imagine that Joseph was probably crying tears of overwhelm. About what he's supposed to do. It's he's watching his wife break down in pain trying to have a baby in this nasty, disgusting place. And then she gives birth to Jesus. That Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, sustainer. That baby. Jesus, put on flesh as a child, was born. And as, as Jesus was born, they tried to clean him up as much as they could. They wrapped him in something warm, and they stuck him in a food trough where they put sloth. This was the beginning of his story as a human. Here's what I want you to remind yourself of as we continue to talk about his birth and his childhood. This is the Jesus we talked about last week. Who for you and for me decided to humble himself to this level. To put on flesh, to be born of a woman, to be born in a gross, disgusting, disgusting, barn for you and for me. I want you to see the swaddled Jesus lying in the feeding trough, the birthplace of livestock. Look long and hard with all your mind and heart at this scene. I think often we like to pretty up the birth story. We have little nativity scenes we put out. Not, they're not, I have them. I'm not against them. But there is a true reality to what is happening then. And I think that reality is important to us when we think about what Jesus did for us. Job says, where, Jesus says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. When I made the clouds, its garments and thick darkness, its swaddling bands, that God, now lays wrapped in swaddling clothes. The omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God, a baby. Not only was he born into this condition, but he was born into poverty. You realize Jesus could have been born to royalty, right? He could have had an easy, cush life if God had planted that that he was born in poverty. And how do we know that? Well, we know that from where he was born, but we even know it more than that. We know it that when he was presented at the temple, you see they presented him with two turtle doves as a sacrifice. The only reason you would sacrifice with two turtle doves is that you were poor because you couldn't afford a lamb and you had to bring something. Not only was he poor, it's not in this narrative, but we know that Jesus himself was a refugee. He had to leave his country and go to Egypt as a child. And then we know about him that his name was chosen by God for him. And I think what's so interesting, we don't see this in this specific text, but as we think about the other Text alongside this one for the birth of Jesus, we see that Jesus tells Mary, This is what you're going to call him. And I think it's so interesting here because there are so many things he could have been called, and they would have been right. He could have been called a name for king, he could have been called a name for prophet, for priest, for judge. But God does not identify him first with any of those names. He first identifies him as Jesus. And just a small Hebrew lesson here. The name Jesus or Yeshua means Savior, Redeemer. I want you to hear that God's heart for you in Jesus first and foremost is that he has come to save you. He is Savior, Redeemer. He's all those other things too. But the very first thing he's identified with is Savior. Jesus was chosen by God to be Savior of the world. And then last we see his fourth aspect of his incarnation, his obedience as a child. We see him presented at the temple. We see him after that coming with his parents um, up to the temple as he's 12. If you know anything about Jewish uh, history or tradition, at the age of 13, a Jewish boy has a bar mitzvah to tell him that he is a man now. This would have been a year right before that at Passover. The whole family would have packed up their stuff and headed to Jerusalem for Passover. So we see Jesus going with his family there, and as they spend the whole week there, Jesus is in the temple, soaking in everything that they're teaching, asking questions, responding. And we have a hard question that comes up in this passage. Cool. Doesn't Jesus sin here? Is he disobedient? His mom literally says, why have you treated us? In verse 48, treated us so. Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. But the obedience of Christ as a child was always cursed to God the Father. God the Father literally had told Mary and Joseph that. That he is mine. I have given him to you as a stewardship to you, but he is truly mine. And so we see the obedience to his heavenly father first, but we even see his obedience to his earthly parents, because right after the situation, what does it say in verse 51? He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So even in his humanity, he was obedient, he was perfect. We don't know a lot about his childhood until he was 30, but here's what we do know. We know that he was without sin, that he was perfect. Even in his humanity, he was perfect. So as we just think about Luke 2 and think about his birth, that he was born, that he was poor, that he had a name given to him, and that he was obedient. I just think about these four things again. I know we're kind of talking a long narrative of who is Jesus. But if we're just going to take this story out for a second. These are some really important years that I know we don't know a lot about. But what we do know is really impactful to us. That God, King Jesus, Savior of the world, came down from heaven... Perfection to be born into poverty, pain, suffering, and loss on this earth. And he did that for you and for me. So when we think about the Christmas story, please don't think about it lightly. Realize the weight, the emotion, the gravity of what's happening in the scene. What's crazy is that so many other people around the whole world were going about their own business, trying to assume power, everything, and there's more of that in here. And yet in this small little barn was born someone who was going to turn the world upside down. We're going to continue in this story after this, and we're going to look at the age of thirty and then forward in his ministry and some of the things he did, but again I, I just think this is super important when we think about Jesus being not just a man who was thirty, but a baby, a teenager at one time. Unknown. No one knew who he was other than his family. He wasn't famous. No one knew he was gonna be savior other than a few handful of people. And if the people that thought they knew that, they always doubted that, and just went about his business. So, I hope tonight that you can take away, when you ask who is Jesus, Jesus was a man, he was a baby, a teenager. And that's impactful to me, to know that he chose to do that. And the importance of God putting on flesh and being born. All right, let me pray for us.